And I want you to notice on one side, there's a kind of a calendar. It kind of gives you the subject of each day's prayer. Now, if you will turn it over and look at, these are three things that I want you to do to join us in 21 days of prayer. The first one is I want you to join us for Facebook Live at 7 a.m., every morning and we'll have about a five between five and ten minutes of kind of prayer time there'll be a theme we'll do a little devotional and then send you on your way to to do your own uh, bible reading time or 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 prayer time with god um and so that in fact i did it today how many were with me at 7 a.m 7 a.m all three of you awesome so so um, I, I, so we're going to do it every morning over the next 21 days uh, on facebook live and some of you are like I gave up Facebook. Well, just get on it for a couple of weeks and join us there. There's something really powerful about uh, coming together and praying together on the same subject on the same day. I think it's a big deal. For, for many years, we gathered here at 6 a.m., and that was always good. I mean, I, I never felt like it was not something good that God was doing, but only 30 or 40 people generally experienced it. And so we're trying a few new things this year. We're trying a new way of engaging and of moving us forward. And, and the, what we thought as we started to tap into 21 days of prayer is not only do I want you, now you guys listen to me, look at me, I want you to, I want you to experience 21 days of prayer internally. I want you to spend time with God every day. If you can't spend time with us at 7 a.m. on Facebook Live, it'll be posted. You can, you can uh, check it out later in the day. You, whatever, whatever time works for you, spend time with Jesus every day. Use the Read Scripture app, right? The Read Scripture app. Download it. That's the app that we're using to read the Bible through in one year as one chapel. And I want everybody to jump on and go for it with us, all right? And so Read Scripture app, you can look it up in your app store. And then, so that, those are the two two things under number one that I want you to do. But then number two, I think we have to encourage one another to pray outside of our own circumstances. I think we have to challenge ourselves to be external in our thought process about how God wants to work in our community, which is why I want to challenge you to prayer walk your neighborhood over these 21 days. And the way we're going to track it is we're going to put a map at each location, Austin, Kyle, and Lake Travis, and that map is going to start to identify where people are prayer walking around their neighborhoods. How do we find out, you might ask? Well, one of the primary ways is Instagram. We want you all to hashtag one chapel praise all right give yourself a little little selfie you don't it doesn't even have to be a selfie some of you are like I don't do selfies okay fine then take a picture of a bush where you're walking by that you're praying and, and, and you're praying in your neighborhood or something like that and then and then post it and put hashtag one chapel praise you can see here it is you got to turn on your location in order to do that and then you got to share it with all your social media things and here's how i want you to see this this is an encouragement this is not this is not look how awesome i am and look how spiritual i am this is come on everybody let's pray together come on here here we are let's let's do this let's pray over our neighbors let's ask god to bless our neighbors let's ask god to give us opportunity to share the message of jesus with our neighbors with our community let's do this that's why you should think of it as an encouragement. And then uh, finally, number three uh, on this little handout is worship together on Wednesdays. 
worship together on Wednesdays, all right? We're going to come together. We're going to do all three locations. This week is in Kyle at Evo uh, Theaters, all right? Evo, not evil, Evo Theaters. And it's down here on 35 on your way to Kyle. It'll be right on your right as you're going south. Some of you have never been there to visit our, this will be the first Wednesday that we've ever done worship at Kyle. So we're going to go into the theater and then you can either schedule a movie before or after. So, so it's going to be fun. I encourage you to come. I think these worship times are going to be really powerful as we go through these 21 days. Now I'm personally going to do some fasting and I want to encourage you to fast with me, choose a meal, go out in your car and pray uh, rather than eat lunch in the lunchroom, do something, take something and give it to God. Um, uh, go without to remind yourself that God has everything you need, right? I want, I want us to do this. And if you don't know what to do, if you haven't fasted before, just fast on Wednesday. Fast on Wednesday because, because on Wednesday, you'll know that at the end of the day, when you're super grumpy, you're going to go to worship and it'll like, like pull all the grumpiness off. It'll be perfect. Okay, maybe not. But but, but I, I, I just want to encourage you to fast. If you need coaching on fasting, um, there's some stuff on onechapel.com. There's a little, there's a little um, resource there, a little ha handout that you can print out, and it'll coach you on how to approach fasting. All right. All right. Everybody got it? Everybody got it? You know, I was so cold today, I wore like multiple layers, and then I got to church, and it's hot in here. Is it hot in here to you? No? Oh, okay. It's just hot for me. Okay. Awesome. Let's pray and let's uh, turn to our Bibles and in Luke chapter 11. That's where we're going to start, Luke chapter 11. And let's pray over it. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, that it comes alive to us, that it gives us revelation, that it drops power into our lives by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you would illuminate, show us who you are and who we can be by sharing your words with us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna encourage you that this series that we're on called Thrive is all about challenging you and I to, th to thrive as human beings. And I wanna point out that thriving means flourishing, flourishing in our humanity, as Jesus did in his that God's desire for all humanity is that they would flourish, that they would be everything that he designed for them to be. And he wants us to flourish. He wants all the world, all the humans in the world to flourish. But, but here's the problem. I don't think we flourish unless we re respond to his call, his grace, his mercy. The, the world is full of tyranny and violence and deception and darkness. And there's, there's so much inside of us that is so selfish and so consumed. And God wants to deliver us from that and cause us to flourish in the earth. That was his original design. And that's his design in Jesus. He sent Jesus to be a model, an example, an illustration of how humanity can flourish. Jesus is our example. He's the only human who thrived perfectly according to God's plan. 
And as we follow him, he's made it possible for us to flourish in him. Now, most people are making resolutions right now, right? They've, they're still doing pretty good. We're one week in. We're eight days in, right, today. Most people are doing pretty good. Some people have already given it up. But th- here's the problem with resolutions. About Super Bowl Sunday, right, about a month from today, February 7th, first week of February, Super Bowl Sunday, the nachos and the little smokies are going to get you. It's like you just can't avoid it. You can't stop it. It's like, ah, I, I, I wanted to do so much better. I talked to a lady this week, and she was, I'll, uh, her name will remain anonymous to protect her innocence. But she, I was talking to her, and she was like, I'm on this new diet, and I realized I was super grumpy. I started the diet this week, January 1, and I was just mean to my husband, and, and it was just terrible. And, and so I finally, I went to him, and I said, look, Do you want me to look good or do you want me to be nice to you? Because you can't have both. (laughs) I love that. I can look good or I can be mean to you. But um, uh, anyway, so I I can look good or I can be nice. It's so funny to me. I feel like we're constantly challenged by this idea of resolutions, you know, to try to buy our own willpower and our own strength to try to do something. And we always lose our way. And that's why today I want to talk to you about prayer. Because when we're talking about the things in this series, how humans flourish, how humans thrive. Last week we talked about the scriptures and how they are a source of life for us. And this week we're talking about prayer as a source of of life for our spirituality. I wanna submit to you that as oxygen is to the human life, so prayer is to the spiritual life. As oxygen is to human life, so prayer is to spiritual life. There is no other way for the, the spiritual life of God to come into you without conversation between you and him, without meeting with him, without getting to know him without him really revealing himself to us. And so I I think there's this thing that we have to understand. 2017 can be the best year of your life. It can be the greatest year, but only if it's the greatest year spiritually. Here's why, because everything's spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Your career is not just your thing that you do on the side and then you, you do the God stuff on Sunday. No, spirituality should, should bleed through your entire life, through everything, through your hobbies, through your career, through your relationships, through your marriage, through your, your children. It, it, it consumes us, it envelops us. This was God's plan. This is how you flourish. This is how you flourish in those areas. And so at the beginning here, we have to drill down on what prayer looks like. And as soon as I say, oh, we're going to talk about prayer, you're kind of like, oh, what? I know how to pray. Or some of you think you know how to pray. I want to challenge you to think differently about prayer today. Here's what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. Notice the, the double meaning there. When you pray, you act. Prayers... Prayer is not learned in a classroom, but in the closet, E.M. Bounds said. You know what that means? That means it's, it's found, prayer is practiced in private, in privacy. Jesus described it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you pray, don't, don't use tons of words and think you're performing for someone. I want you to go in your inner room, in your house, in private, and I want you to call out to me. 
Call out to your father. That's how Jesus taught it. Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Francis de Sales says, every Christian needs a half hour of prayer each day, except when he's busy, then he needs an hour. <laughs> Billy Graham said, prayer is the rope that pulls God and man together, but it doesn't pull God down to us, it pulls us up to him. So good. <laughs> Corey Ten Boom said, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with God, with the Lord, and keep it. Corrie ten Boom was a survivor of the Nazi uh, concentration camps in World War II. She understood pain and suffering. She understood how valuable prayer was in a place of pressure and torment. Make an appointment with the Lord and keep it. Here's what I believe. Prayer takes us out of the realm of what we can do and into the realm of what God can do. So I want to challenge you to think about prayer as an admission. You're admitting that you're helpless. You're admitting that you can't live, you can't breathe, you can't actually be alive spiritually without it. That you're dead without God himself. And Jesus himself began to teach his disciples. We're going to look at that right here. Look at Luke 11. Look at what Jesus did. He says, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, I imagine this little scripture describing a place. Jesus is praying. His disciples are kind of listening. And I want to submit to you that the disciples already knew how to pray. They had a Jewish background. They'd learned huge portions of the Torah. They'd memorized passages of Scripture. They knew the prayers. They already prayed. What they were identifying was there was a difference. Jesus was praying differently than them. Something was happening in his prayer that wasn't happening in their prayer. I, I don't know if you've ever felt this way before. You're like, you know, in the, in the prayer circle. Have you ever been in a prayer circle? Prayers, you hold hands. Everybody, one at a time, they kind of go around and pray. And then the person right before you prays really good. Say, <laughs> like, uh, I feel like such an idiot right here. <laughs> what am I doing? And then they pray what you were going to pray. And you're like, oh, I was going to pray about that. Oh. <laughs> I, I want you to realize that that means you're not really thinking about talking to him. You're thinking about what's going on here. I, I want to encourage us to go beyond our own self-consciousness. And, and I want to encourage you that just the simplest little prayer, help, God will respond to. Just crying out for help, God responds to that prayer. But Jesus gives us a pattern to pray. When his disciples ask him this, he launches into what's called the Lord's Prayer. But make no mistake, it's a pattern. It is not something you are supposed to memorize and then say it over and over and over again. I saw the Star Wars movie this week. Have you seen Rogue One? Great, great movie. I, I fell asleep for a few minutes in the middle of it because it was so long. But um. <clears throat> it, it was really fantastic, but I was so aware of the guy, you know, the, uh, the, the, I don't know if he was a Jedi or if he was just trying to be one, but he, he was, he was blind guy and he was trying to, he, he was trying to like the force is with me and no, uh, sorry, 
I am the force and the force is with me. He just kept saying it. I am the force and the force is with me. I am the force and the force is with me. I am the force and the force is with me. I am the force and the force is with me. And then he was like. <laughs> so he was awesome. It was amazing. But, there, but, but it, I, it occurs to me as I was sitting there watching, I was like, no, we're not talking about something that we memorize to try to convince ourselves of it. Jesus offered us a pattern that has to do with relationship, not with repetition. And I want you to notice when he says it, we'll use Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13, 7 through 13 as kind of our model here, but we'll do it line by line. Look at what number one, our Father in heaven. I want you to notice this little phrase to the, to the side of that. I think this is a way of praying, I am your child and you are near. I believe you're near. The Jewish mindset had a way of understanding the heavens not as something far away, but as something that was everywhere. And, and so they're saying, Father who is near, Father who is everywhere, I call to you. Unfortunately, in, in our modern mind, we're kind of, there's like this distance and we, we think in these terms and I wish you could come here. No, the, the, the prayer begins, our Father. Notice he didn't say, I want you to pray to the great CEO of heaven. I, he didn't say, I don't, I, you don't, he didn't said, I, you don't call him creator, you call him Father. Now, the problem with most of that, forever for most of you, is that you had flawed fathers. 50% of you statistically suffered from the pain of divorce. Another 25% of you at least suffer from extreme dysfunction in your family. That leaves about one in four of you, probably less, that had some kind of a healthy father figure. We have to correct this, of course, in our culture, but the healthy father figure is the one that Jesus is pointing out here. A father figure who loves you, who is for you. Prayer will never be enjoyable until you see God as a loving father. It will never be enjoyable. It will not be fun. You'll see him as an angry guy just trying to catch you. Or you'll see him as a guilt guy that's trying to guilt you into doing things. You'll, you'll see him as, as this pressure person that you're just trying to get stuff out of. None of that is accurate. Matthew 7, 7 through 1 says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Somehow in our modern mind, we see that verse and we go, man, I have to stand at the door and just knock over and over again because he's not coming. No, what Jesus is saying is, if you'll just knock, he'll open the door. See, it's the other way around. If you'll, if you'll just ask, he'll give you. If you just seek, you will end up finding him. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, evil, even though you're evil, you're so evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He doesn't just love you, he likes you. People have a hard time with this. Oh, he can't like me. I mean, I'm so awful. I've done, Pastor, you don't know how many bad things I've done. It doesn't matter how many bad things you've done. If you look to your heavenly Father and you accept and embrace what Jesus has done, 
Everything that he has is at your disposal. Everything that he wants for you begins to become clear. The single most influential idea in prayer is believing that God is for you and not against you. That he's not mad at you, that he loves you, that he likes you, that he likes how you're wired. How can he like how I'm wired? That can't be true. Our self-images are so bad, they define for us the relationship. Look, Jesus was trying to form the relationship. He was trying to identify. He says, when you pray, I want you to think this way. The first time I realized how God must see me was when I started having children. And I started having kids. I, I, I remember taking them to the doctor to get shots, to get vaccinated. I know it's big and controversial now, but I did it back in the day. And they made it. They're fine. They're good. And so, and, and so, but I remember taking them and I was like, like put him, put the, the boys on my knee. And then the doctor would, you know, be like doing something over there. And I'm, I'm here. I'm like, oh, Jesus, 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 help us, help us, help us. Because the baby's just fine. <laughs> just playing, enjoying everything, sitting on my lap. The doctor's hiding the ginormous needle right before he turns around. He turns around. He puts the needle in the leg or in the arm and instantaneously what happens there's a scream there is a blood curdling yell but just before that you know what happens the baby looks at you <laughs> and says what did you do to me what are you doing you just gave me to this guy and he just stuck a big giant sharp thing in my leg and you feel that as your father, because as, as a father, because I, I don't ever want my kids to hurt. I don't ever want them to be in pain. I don't ever want them to be damaged by their own decisions or the decisions of others. But I cannot and I should not protect them from everything hard in life or even things that sometimes are good for them, even though. They feel painful. God doesn't want you to be ruined. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to be damaged. This is why he sent Jesus, so that you could be rescued, so that you could flourish. He's a loving father that he wants us to experience him in prayer. And so even when life gets really hard, see, when I train my kids, I don't keep all the hard things from them, right? That would, be, that would make them really spoiled. But I want to instill in them the values and the ideas that when they do face something really tough in their lives, they'll know how to respond and and they'll know who they can come to because I'll always be here. I'll always be available to them. I'll always be the dad who they can call. As long as I'm alive, that's my commitment to them. And so I think if we get this right, <laughs> this is a reason why Jesus didn't say, right? He didn't say, when you pray, say, our father, give us bread. He said something else first. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He said, I want you to see God as a loving Father. And if you get that, you'll get everything else. Everything else will make sense. You'll begin to worship him. 
you'll respect him, you'll honor him. And I want you to notice here that as we look to hallowed be your name, this little phrase here, you are uniquely respected and loved. God, you are uniquely respected and loved in my life. Your, your name is holy to me. Jesus instructed his disciples to pause and give honor, to pause and worship, to create perspective for them. Because I want you to see that Jesus is giving us in this prayer pattern not just a way to pray, but a framework for how to live. Now listen to me. A framework for how to live. How does it work? Do you ever meet somebody who all they do is talk about themselves? <laughs> so annoying. And here's what I did, and here's what I did, and here's what I think I should do. Here's what I think you should do, and enough about me. What do you think about me? You ever met somebody like that? Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't start talking about you. Start by giving respect. Start by giving honor. Start by worshiping God. Stop, start by being reverent to him. Pay attention to him first and what he might have to say to you or to provide for you instead of what you think about everything. <laughs> this is how prayer should always begin. And I think, I think when, we, when we, sometimes when we come to prayer, we're just talking about ourselves. We're talking about what we think. Start with thankfulness. Start with reverence. Start with worship. Start with honoring God first because it's the way you should treat every valuable relationship, when you try to build a marriage, guess what? It starts with respect. It starts with honoring them. It doesn't start with what you want out of it. When you raise your kids, you start with respect and you train them. That's a framework for life. When you build a business, it's either built on great respect and treating people well, or it fails. It's a framework for life. It's not all about you. It's about, it's about others and it's about God and his desire. The way you pray is gonna be the way you live. The way you pray is gonna be the way you live. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. This one says, submit to him. One translation says, acknowledge him. In everything you're doing, in every way, acknowledge him, and then he's going to make your path straight. Number three, your kingdom come, your will be done. When I say your kingdom come, what does that mean? It seems so ethereal. It seems so strange. Like, he's a king, okay? He should come and he should rule. All right, Jesus, you rule. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it do? Somehow, somehow in prayer, we stop we lose the meaning of what we're trying to say. What does it mean?